what we do is is essential and I, I believe sure. that every income is essential when you're supporting your family 100% but mm-hmm. I think that um, we really do transform people way more than just surface well the testament to how people came back in such a mad rush I mean there are people protesting to get fucking haircuts done this right. is like if that doesn't explain what this industry means to certain people I don't I don't know what what will Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm here with some special friends that I met at one of my brunches that I hosted a few months ago when we were allowed to be open, and we are sure missing those days. That's what's brought us here today is to talk about how this is affecting our industry right now, and if you've been with us for a little while, obviously we're going through this during COVID, so we're using our downtime to use our voices to talk about how this second time reclosure has affected us and what we kind of feel in regards to all of it. So I'm sure a lot of good stuff's gonna come up. Um, I know there's a lot of frustration. This is Daniel and Emily. They own a salon, a brand new salon called Brick and Ivy, which is not far from us um, in the Hillcrest location, right? Mm -hmm. So is that technically considered like a solo suite, like a studio suite? Yeah, it's like within the idea of private suites. It's more of a localized kind of like smaller business than Sola. I believe they have like tons of locations and to my knowledge, the Hive is just the Hive on 6th and University. So I Got think it. it's like 22 rooms. I don't know how many rooms it is, but I know that Sola is structured more in a corporate kind of structure. And okay. we wanted to have a little bit more accountability, first thing I did, because um, I was really curious with the reopening, what was going to be like a corporate policy if we were going to be shut down again, if they were going to continue to charge their tenants, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when you have like a corporate structure, there's so much... Um, um, there's so many like firewalls, so to speak, or uh, separation of power between the people who own the company and the people who are renting that I wanted like a more direct kind of accountability. So okay. since Hive is privately owned, it's in an LLC, but it's privately owned by an owner and I can have a dialogue face to face with him. There's a little bit more room for me as a business owner inside of the Hive to work with the hive if we're going to have a shutdown again in a, as far as like monthly payments because right that's what every salon owner or booth renter is concerned about is that you get shut down again and you're you forced still, to pay uh, yeah, exactly so that was the reason i chose the hive was because there was a it wasn't corporate that's huge and that's something for anybody we spoke with the on the last episode um of a salon owner and she had had an experience with the salon suite and that was one of the things I think was a negative takeaway for her was that she didn't have direct access to anybody. It wasn't like a we workspace. It's almost what this sounds like, mm-hmm. a collective, mm-hmm. which what a dream that someone will house something for you that you can independently grow in, and then once you outgrow that space, if ever, then you can go on and open a bigger salon, which is something Daniel and I talked about at the brunch was a dream that he w- wanted to open a salon. So how long ago was that brunch? I think it was like was it January? Yeah. It was a January, yeah. right? It was the beginning of the year goal setting mm-hmm. one, right? And so right now it is the end of July, which feels like fucking we wrote years that goal ago. down in the brunch and then boom, it happened. Well, yeah. let's see. My brunches work. Gee <laughs> you know? golly. No, okay. There we go. There really you go. Did kickstart it for sure. So that makes me so happy, and we're done. No, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about because Daniel and I had, like, I could feel during the brunch, there was about 25 people at this brunch. I could feel a little bit of resistance at the brunch as to what, like, goal setting, talking about your numbers and business was, and I love that you're saying that now, that it had a positive impact in you writing something down and then seeing it through, and now six, seven months later, you have that, and then some. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Yeah, 
White Claws. We were serving White Claws and yeah. donuts, I think. It could have been that day. It could have been. Sexy cheese plates. Oh, well, her yeah. name should be girl boy. It's girl. girl. Carly Sage. Oh, name with Jesse. She had, like, three names. <laughs> I love that name. Thank you. Okay, so talk to me. You came from a salon. You came from a salon. Did you guys work together before you opened this place together? No. So we worked within, like, three miles of each other. I was at the lab, and he was at Tops in Mission Hills. So... It was funny because when we met, we met through friends, and I had never dated a hairstylist before. Mm. We were in the industry for the same amount of time. I just, like, respected him so much when I saw, like, the kind of work that he did, and I would go kind of, like, help him sometimes, like, organize his cabinet and stuff like that, you know? Like, we started kind of, like, teaming up and talking about the future and, like, our dream of opening our own space someday and really kind of, like, seeing eye to eye on this, like, really beautiful level of, like, yeah, we could totally, like, do this together. I love that. Yeah, it was a really good feeling, cool. for sure. So how long have you been in the industry for? 15 years. 15 yeah. years. Right, so you started when you were seven. <laughs> yeah, she's yes. so pretty. She's like a baby. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. know, I was uh, 18. Well, I was, like, a month before I turned 18. They kind of, like, slid me in before I was actually legally supposed mm, to. To school? Yeah, to school. And then I went to school on the East Coast, finished, had, like, a huge crazy battle with State Board to go to California. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually had to redo school so I'm double no. educated yeah so. so that means double sanitation she knows how to clean her implements so thorough for sure <laughs> such bullshit yeah. okay um and you what about you what's your backstory with how you got into the industry how did I get into the industry I was uh, like a music major okay so I, I was like really floundering I didn't know what I wanted to do and uh, I was performing at like the top of my class but I was like really disillusioned and all the people around me were going to become music educators, like high school teachers and college teachers, and that didn't really have a lot of interest. So I didn't, I was really, really lost, and uh, I, I was watching the documentary about Carl Lagerfeld, uh, you know, Fendi and yes. Chanel designer. He didn't have an education, a formal education. He only had, like, about a fifth-grade education. Wow. And he never, he never really even sewed a dress. He was a designer, strictly designer. So he would, you know, have a vision and his whole worth of his whole life, his whole life's work is he made uh, money in a lifestyle from just pure visions, you know? So explaining his vision to someone and someone else created it for Correct. him. Correct. Like he would draw, you know, the what he wanted to see wow. and then he would have the house of Chanel make the dress and then he would critique it and uh, that was how he would work. So I thought to myself, well, it's like really fascinating that somebody's vision is has value, yeah. right? And... Um, then I went on a trip to Italy with my mom to like reconnect and I got a haircut there and um, I wanted kind of like a like a moosh but with like a faux hawk, right? So like dog ears with like tight hair Very and hipster. then like, yes. like super hipster, 2008, you know, short, <laughs> so like short to long, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the guy was just like, I, didn't, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? And so he had the old man who owned the salon come, who was watching soccer in the back come out and the guy explained to him I saw him he's, he was an Italian which I knew a little bit of Italian he was basically saying like this is your guideline move forward and pull these back right so he's creating length here right same thing here like cut here you know and he designed the whole entire haircut and I thought to myself this guy cuts hair, and he, he didn't even know how to do a haircut that I wanted. What if what if I could be like a Carl Lagerfeld of hair where I could design haircuts, 
draw them on a piece of paper and other people would perform them and they would be like my signature haircut, you know? So that's kind of how it what all What an amazing of... way to like look at our industry. I don't know that anybody who started out in beauty school, I mean, mine stemmed from the lack of having great hair and struggling my entire childhood Same. to like have good yeah, hair. Yeah, I have psoriasis and Curly, you're curly and too, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, Way that is yeah, part of for it. Sure. So to think, think about it from the outside perspective of how you could like put your vision into words to tell somebody else how to like, brilliant, okay? So that's kind of, yeah, that was, I mean, you know, my dad was an artist. I, I was an artist, a musician, a painter, and uh, into science and into systems and stuff. And, and uh, that's where it hit. So I just kind of came back to San Diego and, and rolled. And then I, love that. I learned that in order to become the guy who watches soccer, you basically <laughs> have to become an old man too, right? Yeah. So, like, so you got to wash the dishes yeah, first. Yeah. Everything <laughs> in between that was just the, the grind, you know? But that was the initial, like, gestation period about coming becoming a hairstylist, okay. and I had no idea what I was in store for. Right. For sure. And so to to add that, that was one of my questions that I like. I always love to ask people is, what was your perception of our industry before you got into it? Because at that point, two thousand eight, that was only what twelve. What are we? That's a really good question. That yeah. is a great question. I can tell you my experiences. Like I I liked looking cool. Yep. I was into rock and roll. I liked looking good, and I was going to Jet Reese mm -hmm. to get my haircut, yeah. and I was like, I, I realized now I was one of those really picky hairstyle or clients who was asking a hairstylist to do something they couldn't do, because <laughs> I had all this curly hair, right, and I wanted these dog ears that you had to, you know, flat iron straight and stuff like that, so I realized I was asking a lot of these hairstylists, now I see that, and I went to, uh, what's his name, there was a guy in, who worked in Dulcinea, who, uh, McFarlane. And he cut my hair like amazing. So I had this like really cool. I thought hairdressers were cool, you know. They had tattoos and like they were like you know whether it was a, a male, female, or in between like you know non-binary. Like there's this uh, attraction, attractive quality, like being being put together, being down to earth, walls, yeah. and being classy. So I had like a really positive idea of what a hairstylist was, but I had no idea what it meant to be a hairstylist as yeah. far as like you know, how to cut hair and what sanitation looked like and all that kind of stuff, yeah. professionalism. So I've been doing it for 15 years, so it's it's been a huge, long journey of becoming where I am now. And, uh, you know, I, I did everything I, you could imagine. Like, I got out of hair school. I worked for a place, like, on 69th Street where I was a commissioned 50-50 stylist with no clients doing terrible haircuts. That's how you started out? So straight out of school, straight yeah. straight with a pair of scissors, like, here you go, make yeah. it happen? My mom's hairstylist gave me a job at, wow. hers, at, the, <laughs> at, at, at his salon. His name was Jesse, and basically just baptism by fire, you know? Nice. And I remember uh, uh, my first client was a girl off MySpace who followed me on MySpace who came in, and I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Young, attractive woman, wanted a bob. I was nervous because mm -hmm. I was like, 18 or 19 you know and and when you're a straight male hairstylist in a female dominated area and you don't even know yourself yet being around uh, other women it, it even even though I was maintaining a professional mindset just my nerves sure just my nerves alone were enough to make me nervous you know so I did the worst haircut you could ever imagine. Like, you know, I didn't know oh. how to do a, a, a an asymmetrical bob. No, so I, I had steam I think one some time, still so, don't. You know? Yeah. And, and so, it like, that was, time. like, and she liked it, and I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> she must have liked you. Know you. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it was a little bit of both, right? And so my that was, like, my first girl. haircut. Mm -hmm. 
and then I went to like another salon because I wanted more education and it didn't have very good visibility and then I got a job at Derringer but I was demoted to basically a, a, an assistant where I was mostly shampooing and sweeping hair he did have a really good education program which taught me about like skull shape and how to build a how to build a shape off of skull shape. So it's like was, on the job training, basically, you yeah, got then? Yeah, and it yeah. was like seven twenty-five an hour, you know what I mean? And I was broke. And then then I got disillusioned and quit and worked at, like, a dessert shop. Mm. And on my smoke breaks, which smoking is bad. Um, we had the, smoked for 13 years, I know. <laughs> uh, don't smoke. Don't smoke. Um, uh, I, I, like, walked by a salon... So you I, took a pause between doing hair. Yeah. So was, what what ha- what do you think I, a happened? A couple pauses in my career. Yeah, okay. I relate to yeah. that a lot because I took several pauses too. So it's interesting when like he would tell me about his journey and his experience and kind of his like trials and tribulations. I related so much to that mm-hmm. because it was around the same time, yeah. and I feel like during that time in the industry, it was it was a totally different realm of kind of like cutthroat mm-hmm. and. Um, I think very posh, you know. I I grew up with a mom who went to Neiman Marcus for 13 years as a perfume specialist. So, like, that was my idea of the beauty industry was, like, beautiful, glamazon, Glam, perfect, yeah. like, in Dallas, Texas. You wow. know what I mean? So yeah. that's, like, a different The creme level. de la creme. Yeah, but, like, back then in, like, the early... Um, it two, was cutthroat. Yeah, 2000s, like... It was very, like, my idea, like, I used to go to a, a Veda salon that my mom went to, you know, and so they were just, like, all black. The whole experience. Yeah, like, like house techno in the background, yeah. and, like, everybody's, like, perfect, and it was just, like, such an incredible um, experience, and it was all, you know, very fashion-forward, and I just imagined how cool it would be to, um, I obviously looked up to them, but, um, you know, it was, it was a really cool way to kind of like view it now Mm -hmm. and I think people it's interesting because I think depending on how you've experienced hairstylists you can either look at them as these like beautiful creatures that are just like super brilliant and educated or it's like this totally polar opposite right it's like the mom and pop shop like I I went to school in Maryland like St. Mary's County Maryland don't even ask like I don't even know how I got there at 18 (laughs) years old but I was just like on the east coast trying to do my thing but like you know pink upholstery like super old school like elderly mother and her elderly the roller sets roller sets you know and then I'm just like oh my gosh like this is not what I experienced as a kid you know this is like not why I want to get into it and then flash forward to like teaching at Paul Mitchell and then like being in that kind of like echelon of people that I wanted to be with yes it's it's really interesting how um there's such a stark contrast yes I think that people see hairstylists too absolutely which takes you Daniel when you were talking earlier about clients and the first client with the bob and her liking her hair I think often I'll say for myself, like, early in my career, I wasn't a good hair cutter. Color, I was decent in the beginning, but cutting, not so much. And it was really about the experience that the client had with you. They came, I knew they were coming back because they they must like me. Because <laughs> it wasn't the hair they were coming back for, I'll tell you that. So I think over the years, like, teaching people that those fundamental people skills, you can learn the technical skills of hairdressing. But I think being able to connect with your clients and make them feel like how your mom would, in, in that setup yeah. with the glam and all of that, like... This is a luxury that people 
pay for. I think it is something that we need, which is why we sometimes feel essential. Trigger word. But I feel like mm-hmm. for, for the most, it, it's something that people treat themselves to, like the experience of an, an upscale cut and color with someone who is educated as you guys, you know? And I think the stylists that choose to take that on as like an honorary position are the ones who become six-figure stylists and who go on to open their own places and have thriving careers. Um, but like anything, however you however serious you take it, how much education and time that you put in is what you're going to you know, show up with at the end. Yeah. I love what great stories. Um, okay. So (laughs) there's some things that have been happening in our world and you guys have been like deep in there because you just opened your space. What a month, a month before that or beginning of June 5th was our first day. Okay. And we had to close then according to Gavin, uh, July 8th. Okay. So you were open for a total of what? It was a month, a month. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to enjoy your own new space for four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We were prepping for a while and then, you know, it's like, Tonight at midnight, you yeah. can yeah. There was no real warning. I was I was thinking that he was gonna maybe give us like a two week warning or a ten day warning, uh, but he I think he said at three o'clock p.m. that at midnight we we would be open. So he gave us like eight hours to get ready. So yeah. I had to I had to build out the salon, negotiate my contract, and start working within five days of him announcing it. Yeah, and then he was doing everything um, with a really incredible contractor of his, and book all of our clients, just like hundreds of pages of people to get in touch with, and then I was doing a lot of the like licensing and paperwork on like the back end of it, so he's like nailing in stuff, and I'm like glued to the computer, and we're just like trying to be this like team getting it all together as quickly as possible it was a really good experience you know like to be able and as you know now with your salon like to to be able to welcome somebody into your space mm-hmm. that you created for them yes because that's kind of what, what what i felt like i felt like i was going to be like the willy wonka and make a make a space mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was going to be for them it I wasn't really that. like for me it, yeah. was, it was like everything was picked out for them how how would this how would I think my clients would feel with this color scheme and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, the feedback that I've been getting from clients, like, they'll just randomly say, like, wow, like, the energy in here is great, you know, or they'll always say, it's so cozy and comfortable, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I think, wow, like, whatever, right back to the vision, whatever the vision was, it, it, it got communicated in a silent way, yes. you know, and I think touching back on like what you said about being young in the industry and how to become successful and stuff like that um i think that you know part of the glam and and the um our industry is a superficial industry but it doesn't have to be it can be very deep you know and it's up to the person the the stylist to be both because we are aesthetically uh treating people but we also can go deeper talking about all kinds of issues right sure. we all know that like the second you touch them it just starts coming out yeah yeah, yeah. and so uh, I think putting your clients in front of you putting putting your needs and your story to the side and being like present for the client mm-hmm. whatever their needs are you know if whatever their needs are if they have certain personality uh, you know characteristics or quirks if they have you know hair that they're not necessarily uh, uh, in love with you know kinky curly hair frizzy hair whatever you know this whole term of like dishwater blonde we don't use right. that word at all you <laughs> terminology know terminology it's, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's it's our to elevate the industry to elevate ourselves as hairstylists it's 
it's important how we approach all that kind of stuff, you know? Absolutely. And um, for me, I've always been okay with being somebody who's a server. Like, I'm serving, you know? I've been okay with that role. I haven't had to had like, all eyes on me. We all know, like, you know, the... Uh, the stylists who are very self-absorbed and need a lot of attention. Sure. Well, you get those clients that come in and say, my stylist never listened to me. Right. Why did you leave? Well, yeah. they wouldn't Number do what I asked. Number yeah. one thing, right? Yeah. Or they vented too much of their own negative things. Sure. Right? Too much. I mean, we're, we're human, so I think yeah. it's good to... Sure. Especially with your close clients, like, oh, this is what I'm going through. Of course. Touch in, but but then also, like, move on. Right. Redirect back to back them. And back to being a hairstylist who's focus on the cut and the color you know and yes. I think I can only speak for myself but you know I have a, a very intense energy and I think that I had to learn um you know how to uh I had to rely on my skills to be so 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 flawless that that my personality then could could be found okay. rather than using my personality because my personality wasn't, I was young and naive and I had no idea what I was doing. I just right. didn't have the knowledge. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a personality to offer, maybe, you know? Yeah. And I was into motorcycles, so sometimes I come in smelling like gasoline. You know <laughs> what I mean? And like I had a big old beard and like long hair and I was rebellious and, and it wasn't on brand. Right. You know, my brand wasn't on brand well your brand wasn't developed yet sure. and I think that's what kind of is tough when you get into even just adulthood in general like you're meant to figure out what you're supposed to do at 18 19 years wild like to yeah. look back even in my early 20s I'm like <laughs> what's really cool is being in the industry as long as I've had I've seen people like you start kind of in that phase in life like they're one type of way or one kind of person and, and that's just who they are in that season and then to watch people grow into the creative that yeah. they can be I've seen people too, like I have this good friend of mine, if you guys know who Ben Crace is, he's he's one of uh, my dear friends and I, I think Ben is one of my favorite stories to talk about because watching Ben came in as a golf pro. So preppy Ben with his short haircut, assisting my friend at her beach salon, you know, that backstory to us working together at Hyde Edwards a few years later, still finding his voice, still finding what he, you know, connected with. And then watching him evolve into this master stylist who just took his career so seriously and went to London and did all those things. So, you know, now he's developed who he is and what he wants to represent in our industry. And he shows up big for other people. Mm -hmm. And now he's off, you know, he opened a studio, he's off painting and being his weird mm -hmm. creative self, and it's awesome. But that took 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. right? And I think I've, I've always said I'm so grateful to be raised in this industry because it allowed for us to grow in whatever way we wanted and tomorrow you could change completely your brand yeah you could paint the walls change the color change your I mean yes. we get yeah. to show up every day however we want sure. right and what's nice is every client is different so you kind of like get to morph into whatever they need and if you can do that 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 defines I think whether you can be a successful stylist and keep yes. you know kind of like a different kind of client base because we want to, like attracts like right so you probably have clients that are very much like you and similar but then you probably have clients that are totally different than you that come to you because they love your energy and they want to be around mm -hmm. that you might be the only person they can have those conversations with so I've always just like really honored that that we get to do that yeah and that it just makes it even more special to me which but then being in the industry for so long now having your own space you know, charging your worth and showing up as that higher level that you know the vision that you guys both had in separate right. ways, but kind of together. You guys Absolutely. both kind of had the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that we definitely like connected 
and we both like acknowledged that we wanted the same things or we fought over like what color the floor would be mm. and stuff like that so it was really fun to kind of get on that level of communication in a different way and like just touching on um, talking about new hairstylists in the industry I think that that's what's so beautiful about our industry yeah. but I also think that it it always needs work and we can always do better in terms of like cultivating our brand new hairstylists because they can be so passionate and and being a teacher for only a short amount of time was so rewarding to me because you could just like support them fully yeah. and and they're kind of just like going in a million directions trying to find what works for them so what was really amazing to to do was to just like uplift them mm. and and kind of direct them a little bit and and it feels mm. kind of crazy when you're brand new and you don't know what to do and you just like show up in like scruffy high tops and you're like I'm here like let's do this and they're like okay let's like talk about what you're wearing but also great job yeah like we can refine <laughs> that if this is what you want to go with we can work with this like yeah. that's the cool thing everybody gets to be who they want to be now side topic because you just brought up school I'm, I'm concerned for the people that are in school right now that may never get to touch hair before they graduate like that mm -hmm. was something I spoke to about on the last podcast too is like where do you see our industry growing going for these new kids that are coming out of school since you had experience being in there mm -hmm. I can only speak to what I've heard from my friends who still teach at the Paul Mitchell school yeah, what are they um, talking about yeah Tristan Elon and Ann Degasher and Clinton Norris like those are kind of like the people that I love and respect so much in that industry and I kind of see somewhat vicariously like how challenging that is you know it's a it's a lot of computer work it's a lot of diagrams it's a lot of ring light video stuff and when I was a teacher a few years ago I realized that so many extremely talented people fresh off the boat mm -hmm. were just fully educated in tutorials <clears throat> So that was what was really interesting where I was like, okay, let's like kind of unlearn that for a second because they were already like, this is everything I know and this has already worked for me on my mannequin head at home. And you're like, yes, that is one way to do it. But yeah. there's so many ways and I want to just like give you all the options. Mm. So for them, they're not going to be able to touch anyone for quite some time. And that's what's devastating. And like for us, it's tough to start our salon again and then close back down. Well, yeah. they opened their school all over again and then closed back down. So yeah. my heart goes out to people who want this so badly and started and like got a little tiny taste of it and then they have to like sit at home on their computers again. Yeah. So it's, it's extremely challenging and I feel like if you don't have that um, ability to connect with somebody one-on-one -on -one and you can't feel them yeah. and you can't like listen to them while looking at them it's um, such a vital part of what we do because it's like it is surface right it is like um, people can see it as somewhat just like just that but it's so much deeper if you allow it to be oh and my gosh yeah it's like you it's touch lives you know what I mean it's like every every has a deep end and a shallow end and you want to swim laps in it you're going to go in both you know and I think that we're just people and I'm I'm, I'm shallow and, and superficial and deep yeah and I'm allowed to I allow myself to be both and yeah. I think also that that touches is like allowing people to be themselves that's like kind of our role right is to show that it's okay 
to, to be yourself and to celebrate better, them. right? And, mm-hmm. and, and inspire people to really be themselves and explore what that's all about, you know, yeah. in, in every shape and form and manner of what I'm saying, you know. Totally, totally. Somebody sits in your chair and you're like, you are more badass than you look. Mm. Like, let's take you to that next level. Like, yes. what's the craziest oh, so photo fun. in your Pinterest? Yeah. Like, yeah. show that to me. Show me Unleash the one you didn't them. think you <laughs> wanted to show yeah. me. Like, yeah. chisel them out of that, uh, you know, rock or shine their diamond or, like... Get them out of the box they've yeah, lived in for you know, 20 years. And you know what? Yeah. That's been the coolest thing about the COVID lockdown. Well, coming out of it when we were allowed to. Right. Was that people were like, I'm working for, from home. And so I don't have the same like social restrictions. So now I want to do this. I yes. want I okay. want purple. I want a this crazy cut. And I was like, oh my god, these people are now liberating themselves because when we confronted such a scary epidemic pandemic, we had to like confront our own mortality and like how fearful we all were. And it may have transformed us to liberate ourselves more because I can speak for myself. I was living in a gilded cage. You know, I was like afraid to open my own salon because mm-hmm. I was afraid of failure and when the failure came there was nothing holding me back anymore all my fears came true so I was a lo- I was liberated and I went for it you know oh, we absolutely went, we went failing it. quickly mm. is the best way to learn that and lesson often. and then you just go next <laughs> that didn't hurt that but I still a little bit but I, you know I'm gonna keep cr- yes and like same with me starting this podcast like I had so many fears behind like you know, even just listening to my own fucking voice and like, <laughs> what? nobody wants to hear what you have to say. And it, again, this, I took what advice you just gave and it's not about me. It's about me. Me, the selfish me is I get to have conversations with awesome people like you. That's like what, the, what I'm getting out of it. But also I want to share what you guys, like I want to give everyone in our industry a voice to be able to speak about how they got to be where they are. I mean, this started out as a funny success story. I'm saying it's one minute. Oh, okay. You I was like, look. You haven't even looked at it. I was like, yeah. What? Does it matter? You can just edit it, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Post-production. Yeah, sorry. You can't give me... I, I'm new. <laughs> I mean, I am like, new. you know, not for the camera ever, but, but like, that's how I really see you, too, though. You oh, know what I mean? You. Like, I'm like, wow, she's helping make connections in the industry. We're still getting to know each other and stuff like that, but I'm like, wow, your energy and, like, vibe, I'm like, whoa, like, cool. Like, very just mixing like, thank you. you know and I'm like this well, is cool it's refreshing thanks I feel like th- so watching I have a few friends that started podcasts and I've just one girl she's up for like four years and I'm like what do I like the mo- what, what is it that I think I want to have a podcast for like I had to like why are you adding one more fucking thing to your plate Jessica <laughs> what is it you want out of this like because it had to be about me first like you have to have a why as to why you're doing something mm-hmm. otherwise you won't keep doing it yeah so I was like okay are we, are we still going? Oh, oh sorry. sorry. I have it going. That was bad work, but that's why I was a So my girlfriend started this podcast, and what I found that was I was most drawn to was the fact that she got to have amazing conversations with people that wouldn't otherwise, like, they wouldn't have met otherwise. They wouldn't mm. have had the chance to, like, spend that hour together. Mm. And I was like, ugh. I'm at a place in my career where I love the behind the chair, but I love our people. And I think because I put myself in a situation where I don't work around a lot of other stylists, that kind of energy is what I miss. The conversations we used to have in the break room. Like the ones who wanted to go out and have drinks after work and talk about hair and do mm-hmm. stuff. I always felt like I wasn't a good hairdresser because I didn't just want to talk about hair. So there was like some mm-hmm. shame and guilt around me in my early years because my first mentor, all he did was eat, breathe, sleep, hair. And I was like, oh, I, I must not be meant for this career because mm-hmm. I want to do other things. Like I loved art. I loved to travel. I loved, you know, 
personal training and working out, I was like, mm-hmm. huh, I don't want to dedicate every minute of my day to this. I must, I must, this must not be it for me. So I, in my early years, had a constant search for like what else was going to be my thing. Cause I went into beauty, beauty school thinking I'll do this until I figure out a real job. Mm-hmm. Right. But nothing that came along ever was enough for me to leave. So luckily I made good money from the beginning that it, the money, I guess in the beginning kept me there, but also the relationships with the stylists and like how different everybody can be in our industry. Um, and I had a really good experience with like, I went to Robert Croming straight away as an assistant. So I had that background where we had Michael Muldoon and DJ came in and was teaching. Wow. Like that was my first, um, you know, experience to that kind of education. So mm-hmm. I got really lucky being thrown in behind that signature oh, yeah. and like being able to like, help out and do all those things. I mean, I came this close, Ira, Mm -hmm. to getting the fang bang one day. And I was like, but I have curly hair. Please don't cut my hair like that. You don't understand. I can't be the weird one. Um, So, but, you know, just getting to live out your creativeness through your hair. Like, I've had every single color, every haircut you can think of, like, Mm -hmm. tattoos, piercings, all the weird things. And it's like, letting yourself be expressive like that like look mom I'm normal now and you know I still have one piercing but you know it's like you can you can do all that and live that life and still be what people consider like I think that's a good point and like one of the questions that you sent over is like what is a misconception that I think I have about from people on the outside when they see a hairdresser right Right. it's like you know there's like two things on my mind is like one you know, somebody like me who has always, and, and, and probably all of us at one point, right? I know you were a punk rocker with Liberty Spikes, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes! And, you know, I gotta see you that can picture. <laughs> simultaneously be free and also be in control of you and your life and your business and your, your money flow and everything like that. So like, you're saying you can have spiked hair and still be normal and make good money? Yeah, okay. yeah. You could, I mean, what I think it is is like a being provocative right like rebellious you know like I can um allowing myself to be all things and I think we talked about this the other day like with our daughter right it's like we want to have a daughter who can put on a a, a gown and who can also put on a leather jacket and some cowboy boots and 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 roll around the dirt yeah like you want to be free you know and I think that when I was younger I thought I was something and I stuck to that one thing, and I didn't allow myself to dress like a businessman mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be a square. Got you it. know what I mean? And now, like, it took I had to break myself like a horse and and dress nicely, even though it was uncomfortable, and go to work and see and play around with my look and play with my aesthetic. And and now at this point, it's like I'll go and you know ride motorcycles with my friends and be dressed in black and look all dirty, and then. I'll take a shower and put on a button up and go to work and, and, and be elegant, you know? And I think allowing yourself to be, to, to not take yourself so seriously as far as your identity yeah. and to allow your identity to become fluid, mm. like that's for stylists and also for their clients, like for everybody really. So, right. so, so I think that a lot of people, when they look at hairdressers, I, I think, and this goes back to what's going on now, like Gavin and Kevin, I don't Gavin Kev, as we hey, like to call yeah. him over here. Gavin and Kevin, <laughs> I don't think you guys, or maybe some of the majority of the people in, the, in our country, like realize the amount of intellectualism behind what we're doing. You know, if, 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 if they were to like watch a DJ Muldoon cutting video and see how brilliant and intellectual he is, you know, that they would understand that there's design 
behind this. Right. There's design. It's it's structure. It's scientific. It's based off of Bauhaus. You know, that's how Vidal Sassoon came up mm. with his structure. It's it's from German architecture, right? And, and and it's also playful and fun and whimsical too. It's both. Sure. You know, so so I think that they don't understand the amount of intellectualism and entrepreneurship behind the hairstylist. And I think that y what you're doing is hopefully going to shine a light on that, because I know that you're very intelligent. I mean, to to have your own you know salon and the breakfast brunch and everything takes a lot of effort to put into to organize. You know, so so. Um, I think that that's like where our industry is going. Is yeah. that is that people stop thinking that we're cutting hair, and right. that they start understanding that we are hair designers. That we are like, sure. hair is the medium that we are doing. But right. typically, a lot of us are also painters, or you know, you're you're an athletic person. You know, there, there's we're the rabbit hole goes deep. We're multifaceted. Totally. But, but but hair is the medium that I practice while I'm inside my studio. Sure. And that's why I call it a studio. It's an art studio to me. It's not a salon to totally. me. Totally. It's an art studio mm -hmm. and I'm working on hair. And it's a safe space too. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times what happens with um, the experience that the client has is like I was saying earlier we might be their only interaction other than their family or their work, right? right? And especially in a time like right now, I feel like it is so needed. Like I've had clients, older clients who live alone, who haven't had the opportunity to see anybody else. They're not even seeing their family, but they'll come mm -hmm. in for a haircut or color. That alone shows the trust that they have in us to keep them safe. Like, Absolutely. That's wild to me. Like, the stories I've heard, like, I just think, oh, you need your hair done. No, it's so much deeper. They don't really need their hair done. Yeah. They just needed someone to touch them. They oh, needed absolutely. some affection or attention or a great conversation. You know, I had mm -hmm. a new mom. She has a baby, and her husband travels on ships, and so she has, like, a three-year-old and the baby. She literally didn't stop talking for three hours while she was here, and mm -hmm. she said several, how oh, can you tell I have a better on adults in a while? And I was like... Like, it was all I could do to sit there because I love her to death, but I'm like, she needed this. Like, oh, yeah. I might have just saved her from a mental break. Like, that's not my ego talking. Oh, like, absolutely. I've been a new mom. I know what the fuck yeah. she was yeah. going through. Yeah. I was like, she needed to connect and, like, have some me time. No one has been touching her, paying attention yeah. to her, any of that. I yeah. think that that's common right now. I feel like most of my clients that have come in have just at the end been like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just talked the entire <laughs> yeah. time. And I'm like it's totally fine like I am here for you and you probably needed that yeah I have um a couple of really young moms who have come in and they're just like I haven't seen anyone other than my immediate family and you and mm -hmm. I feel like that is such a huge responsibility mm -hmm. for me especially like being pregnant too and wanting to make sure that I'm as safe as possible and I'm taking care of people not yeah. only like their physical presentation but like their heart and soul and like being present for them like a friend and and making them feel good on the inside and outside but then also making sure that like they're safe and they're gonna leave exactly how they came like health wise right but just like completely transformed and and refreshed and being like oh my god I needed that and I am so much blonder now I feel Yay. so much better <laughs> and like I have, like, that purple shag that I've been looking at all these months, you know, and, like, feeling so refreshed. Um, but then it's just, like, so multifaceted. I think people don't really um, 
understand that when they're looking from the outside in. Like, right. What we do is is essential, and I, I believe sure. that every income is essential when you're supporting your family. Hundred percent. But mm-hmm. I think that um, we really do transform people way more than just surface. Well, the testament to how people came back in such a mad rush. I mean, there are people protesting to get fucking haircuts done. This right. is like. If that doesn't explain what this industry means to certain people, I don't, I don't know what, right. what will. I think it's really important, like what you were talking about, uh, to communicate in this forum what we as hairstylists, our responsibility, and how seriously we take it. Right. We take it. The reason that I moved my entire clientele and business and everything I knew into a private suite was 100% to protect Emily protect our baby and to protect my clients right I had complete control over the environment you know you get a you get hand sanitizer when you walked in you get your temperature um, taken no one really touches anything except for the chair mm-hmm. which gets disinfected all of our tools are in barber side clipper side yep. single use like we which have already li- work. we have Lysol yep. you know for everything else in between the chair the neck thing no yep. matter what you know we're on so, alternating days yeah, so we it's don't just work at this one we don't, they don't even work you don't even work together no mm-hmm. because because it's more risk right sure. technically sure. according Techn- to the CDC so it's like if you're 6 feet apart then and you're in a salon big enough, but we are six feet six inches apart. Yeah, we measured you know, our, but, our stations. But, we, but stations. we still decided, you know, because of the baby coming, sure. to have an alternating schedule so that when when the baby came online, we could like you know do all manage that manage it that way too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but we initially came on alternating so that there wouldn't be more than one person in the salon at any given point. So yeah, I have a lot of clients who have, have high risk who came in. Who were very concerned and after I explained to them what was going on even the most conservative of them were like I trust you 100% you know like and then I would contact them 10 to 14 days later to see if they had any symptoms like follow-up right wow so and of course no yeah and I think that that's like really important to communicate is like that there's no data that's showing any link between hairstyling the CDC even put on their website that there is no link you know um so, so I think that it's just really important for people to understand that we're not like these, like, you know, uh, backyard hairstylists. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're not doing it for or selfish Or that we're not reasons. like intellectuals. Like we're, we're just like, we're not like beauty operators. Like we are, <laughs> we're entrepreneurs. We're intelligent. We take safety really seriously. If I thought it was so risky, Emily wouldn't be, have gone back to work. Right. right. Like that level of risk. I think you know we have to look at the data and all that kind of stuff, and 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 even if the data shows that it's it's maybe more serious or less serious, we have to take it really seriously because it's our livelihood and it's the people that we care about. We ended up forming these bonds with our clients and we love them, you know. Right. What I mean? And we and and so they're our family at that point, and we have to protect them, you know. So. Yeah, totally. Even when people were protesting and saying that they needed haircuts, it was such a, it was such an interesting contrast for me, like processing everything and like okay this is scary and dangerous and people are suffering our people are passing away and my uncle was in the hospital on a ventilator like you you have friends of friends or like this this ripple effect of people that are affected and you're like okay this is real and yes like your hair is not a priority in this time and I totally understand like how serious this is and how maybe trivial that seems like it it could look to people like oh, that's not a big deal, you know what I mean? And I, and I understand that, but in, in terms of, like, 
what it it feels like um, to to feel taken care of and mm-hmm. um, have that connection. I think is so important, but also understanding like when we were protesting the other day, like holding signs like no income, no diapers, no empty like empty chairs means like right. I can't support my family. There was one girl that hung out of the car and booed at us as she wow. was driving by. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, like, I wonder if it seems superficial that we want to go back to work and do hair. And I, I don't think it's that way because we are so, so safe. Well, right. I think that that's part of the problem is that, like, we have been, by, by now the public has a perception of us because we've been grouped with gyms and uh, movie theaters, mm. right? <laughs> we're phase three, so we're with gyms and group, like, how does that shine on our level of professionalism? We're, we have now, the public eye associates us with these two things now. Right. And, and I think that that's like the problem is that we don't, we should be treated independently as our own phase, you which, know? Which, which we are as far as our board of barbering and cosmetology. They were supposed to house us as an individual business. We pay to be part of that. That's, right. a, we almost have like a union fee by relicensing right. every year. And so what's crazy to me was, you know, you want me to not do my job because it's not essential, but I'm more than welcome to get a restaurant job downstairs at the restaurant, right. which I don't think you even need a food handler's card these days to be able to right. serve food. So something that someone takes and puts into their mouth, right. I can go do, but I can't do the business I spent 20 years growing right. that right. actually pays me more a day than what you guys are willing it's to give really, me a week. It's really bad organization and it's really incompetency because like these are supposed to be our leaders and they're supposed to be intellectual and yet here I am a hairstylist and I could formulate a better plan, you know? Between phase three and phase four too, like they didn't wait long enough to see what did phase three contribute, right? I agree. So so there's a 10 to 14 day gestation period for the, for the virus. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have had us work for maybe two or three weeks right and then another 10 to 14 days so let's say 28 days if they would have waited 28 days between phase three and phase four they would have had at least a litmus test to see what phase three contributed but they didn't wait that long they waited one week so they don't even know what phase three contributed but then they shut us down without even knowing what we contributed so that's a big problem that i have with the governor's plan and the mayor's plan and is that they didn't do it scientifically right. or organized in an organized way, broken. you know and also yes. like a gym it's people working out and sweating and and touching everything and, and it, it's it, not it, one person and one trainer that's right. i mean some private gyms are like that right. but for the mass big gyms no it's not no. and i love the gym i wanted nothing more than the gym to be open because that is my <laughs> mental sanity but the comprehension that the gym got to be open before we got to be open made absolutely no sense. So, yeah. And then when they shut us back down, they went phase four, and then two days later, phase three. So they never even got to see, did the numbers drop from when they shut down phase four before they dropped, before they closed phase three? They, didn't even, they have no idea what numbers are coming from what area. Right. And on top of that, we had, you know, barbicide certifications. We had COVID-19 yeah. certifications that you could go online and and take and feel like you knew everything and you were tip top we like put it in a folder and like laminated it and we like put it in our shop and we're like okay we can't do anything else to be more safe no at this point we're basically like nurses on the same level of ppe and 
crap. You know, I've had nurses come in, in terms and tell of me that. Like, equipment, you know, yeah. I've had nurses that are like, oh, yeah, you basically perform the same amount of sanitation as we do now. And that's yes. such an amazing validation from somebody on the front lines right now that, that experiences that. They're like, if you have a nurse validating you in your space, I that you've worked so hard creating with like love and intention and um, intelligence, mm -hmm. and it's, it's hard to just be um, denied that. I think it's disheartening right now. I think we're down to be treated fairly and nobody wants to be treated unfairly. That's just like, I feel like the running underlying theme of this last like couple of months is just a bunch of unfair, wild, crazy, uncertain stuff. So let's spin this a little bit and be on the more positive side. Cause I always like to end with like totally. some good takeaways yeah. because yeah. we could downward spiral and talk some gnarly <laughs> shit right I'm now, but that doesn't get us anywhere. We can play the victim. We can do all those things. What good has come out of, quarantine time like what what have you guys taken advantage of as a couple as a business like I feel like it forced you to open this place you took the steps that had been holding you back from fear for not mm -hmm. doing it because mm -hmm. um, you probably had a cush little setup where you were you guys mm -hmm. didn't have to worry about shit you just showed up work because I remember that life yeah I remember oh, yeah. that life when someone didn't take the trash out you're like what? Yep. I'm sure it'll be done when I get back tomorrow. Yep. Those towels will be folded. Someone will refill the shampoo. <laughs> Toilet paper will just magically appear. Like, that. all yeah. the things. Yeah. The, so what good stuff have you guys, like... I mean, that was definitely how it was at, at I could say, probably at both of our salons. Yeah. Uh, I'm the kind of person that I am folding towels. Oh, hell and yeah. I am putting the toilet paper to in. And because when I work somewhere, I want it to feel like my own well you we know, know your backstory and your mom like your mom your mom <laughs> with that like gl the glam life yeah it's not glam to not go back in there and not have toilet paper and Absolutely. towels like right. yeah not about that life humble yeah. yourself for sure and mm -hmm. um so yeah i think what's different now or like what we learned during quarantine i think like pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones i mean mm. being forced to that. just just be ripped out of our comfort zones it was like we i feel like we processed it differently you know I feel like I went really internal I was like you know meditating doing yoga um, reading a lot um, journaling like inward 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 like right into like the tiniest little core of who I was like trying to work it out from from the inside out and it I mean it was rough but I think that pushing ourselves out of that cushiness and mm -hmm. into our dreams was so wildly scary but like you know it was the best decision so it's like you break away and all this like extra stuff starts like kind of crumbling away right you're like this doesn't matter this doesn't matter this Ugh, doesn't matter right yes. and then you're like what really matters the most like everything that I really want you know like my dreams like my wildest dreams like it doesn't matter like what anybody else says um if if something were to happen to me, like, what would I be the most proud of, you know? I like getting me all emotional. I love that. <laughs> and I think it's, it, and that's what's so great about this. I feel like, you know, the woo-woo side of me is like, you have to sometimes be pushed to certain things. Like, the universe is doing this insane, gnarly cleanse, and people are having moments like this that they wouldn't otherwise let themselves have. We stay on that busy of like what else can I be doing what level of success can I reach next like the go 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 do 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 it's just like what we're conditioned to believe mm -hmm. and you know you push through that by opening the business you've wanted to do mm -hmm. you guys created something together that you now have a legacy you started for your little human yeah. early um, 
So what else? Are you guys taking up hobbies? Are you still riding your motorcycle? What's, like, getting you excited yeah, right now? I what mean, you- for me, like, last year was the hardest I ever worked in my life. You know, like, I tripled my income. And tripled? I tripled it, yeah. Wow. I tripled. By, from, explain. From, from back- 2018 <laughs> to 2019, my tax returns, it's, yeah. I, it's, I tripled my income. Okay. Did you do that and how? Doubling your client load or did you raise your prices? Explain uh, that to people who are, like, how, I, how, I how. basically, so well, I was really, I was really lucky because, like, I joined a new salon and then I had somebody left and moved and gave me a couple clients, you know, and then somebody else moved and gave me a couple clients and then it was just on and I was passing out cards, you know, all all my clients are word of mouth. I don't have a strong internet presence, um, for one reason or the other. Um, but it's all word of mouth. He already knows how I feel about that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm naughty, but I'm old school too. And, and, um, I'm going to be working on that. I think having brick and ivy as a face as a house. Yeah, yeah. Is, is better for me because it can separate it from me and my, my life, you know, and I think that's where I'm happy is having a separation between my private life and my public life. Um, but yeah, it was mostly, you know, it, it was a lot of uh, double booking. It was sometimes triple booking. It was trying to get families to come in, you know, have the mom bring the daughter and the mm-hmm. and the and the niece or the so you, can roll you know it all or the together. sister or the sister in law. Just yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it. Which is hard to do now with COVID, but right. That's how I did it, you know. But I'm going to tell you the truth is like I I, I was one of those pers- people who was not successful. I was not successful for 13 years, and so I wanted to feel successful so badly that I pushed myself to the brink. And Emily knows that sometimes, like, I would come home after a 12-hour day of working at the salon, and I would we'd have to be having, like, a dinner party, and my friend would be like, hey, how are you? And, and I would I would say, I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm resonating and with like, you so hard right like, now. What? Like, they were upset with me. You're like, I cannot speak any and more I, words yeah, today. I'm done I, speaking to people. Yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, okay, and have I, you had water? Have yeah. you had food? Checklist, have, right? Okay, okay, let's, and then you're just like, and then, resuscitating and then I would, you. Uh, and then I'd have to say, like, let me finish my gin tea, or my, my, my ginger tea, <laughs> my ginger tea, and get halfway through my appetizer, and then I'll probably start talking at that point, but I'm yeah. done, you know? Yeah. So the COVID <laughs> thing, really, um... It forced you to slow down. It forced me to slow down, and now it's like I kind of did it. Like, I was like, okay, that's my biggest number. Yeah. Like, I hit that number, whatever. And now I'm like, I'm okay with taking the foot off the gas, and um, I think the work-live balance is coming more into play for me. So it's like now I'm working three days and then four days, and then, you know, when, yeah. when, when I am at the salon, when we are allowed to work, that's what my schedule is now three days and four days and three days and four days and uh not taking more than five clients and on average taking three clients a day wow. so I, I i found out how hard i could ball out you know how much how many fancy dinners i could take her to and how much i could make and it didn't really change my life a hundred percent to you be weren't happier uh, okay, I was happy to eat really nice food sure. and go buy a nice shirt and yeah. stuff like that, but was I happier? I don't know. The satisfaction of knowing that I was wanted was what I needed. I needed validation, you know? Mm. I needed validation to feel like I was a professional. Yeah. And I and I finally got that validation, like, you are respected, you are a professional. I became an educator, became a master certification colorist. So, like, I started getting all these, like, accolades and kind of recognition, and that, that to me was more for my soul than the dollar amount was, you know? Love, yeah. 
So now that I have like that kind of respect, I think um, I I'm willing to like dial back how much I work and get back into my happy medium of like okay this is how much I need to survive and to treat myself to one thing or two things a month and you know what I mean yeah and be more pragmatic about it. So that's what COVID taught me. It taught me a lot about it, about like slowing down, being grateful, not overworking myself, taking care of myself, drinking more water, like being better yeah. to myself, like that whole thing, you know. And and yeah, like with the spare time, I go for a motorcycle ride or go camping by myself out in the desert, or you know, go for a walk on the beach, and you know, really try to get back in touch with like who I was if I wasn't working, because my whole identity was wrapped around. Um, trying to basically outdo the people who were, um, who in my career made me feel like I wasn't good enough, you know? I relate so hard to that. I feel like listening to you talk about it, you tell me if I'm wrong. When you make reference to, like, gaining the respect of other people, would you say now, in hindsight, the things that you accomplished in that year, you have more massive respect for yourself because you showed up in such a big way, and that's really what you're feeling? Yeah, I would say Because that's cool what they think, but yeah. you proved it to yourself in your numbers yeah. and how many clients that you did, right? Right. I think that that was really interesting because I had so many weird interactions last year. When I became like six, more successful, right, mm -hmm. there were some really weird pushbacks like from other stylists who were the, were the archetype of the stylist who always made me feel not good enough. And you know why that is? Fear. And? And being threatened. and, and Change. And, yeah. They liked you exactly the way you were, right. and you started to show up mm. bigger as your higher self, and they were yeah. like, whoa, 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 don't, think, don't, your light's too bright. But I like, think that also mm. people were like, how, like, because I don't post on Instagram, and people <laughs> don't know how many clients I have or how many clients I do. I'm not popular, you know? So His I, algorithm I, is fascinating. I think people, like, didn't really <laughs> even understand, like, that I was actually successful, you know, like, and so they were, they, they didn't take me seriously because they didn't think that I was as busy as mm. them, you know, and I remember having a conversation with, with a person where it was like, I was talking to a younger stylist about how much to charge, right? She was asking me, what do you do to do? And I'm like, well, you know, we're debating and I tell her how much I charge per hour. And I don't know where another woman who's a stylist walks up and goes, oh, pff, that's all you charge? I charge this much an hour. And I was like, okay. And then I said, well, if you charge, let's just say $100 an hour and you work for three hours, and I charge $80 an hour and I work for 10, who's making more money? And she did not like that at all. <laughs> you know, so there was like this pushback about, you know, how I, how about my business and how I choose to run my business and am I successful or am I not successful? And, and to answer your question, like, yeah, when, once I saw what I was capable of doing, and I realized that I was good and I started seeing my pictures becoming like, I could look at my picture of what I did and be like, that's really good hair. And Emily would be like, that's really good hair. And I, like, started, I did that shit. Yeah, and I started realizing like, finally what I wanted all along was I wanted to be respected for what I did to the hair. Mm. I wanted people to, to like my vision and my formulations. You know what I mean? I wanted to be able to just be accepted in this world because I'm a, I'm, it's a foreign world, right? Like, Do you think Carl felt accepted? Like with that steez rolling up, no one probably thought that was the jam. Right. Like you, like you right. found your own version of you guys have your yeah. Life yeah. Life house now. Like little, all about pushback. Yeah, our little house and our little you know like aesthetics and what we think is beautiful, and then 
you know, also being with Emily and her being a stylist, us being able to then talk about formulations and share formulations with each other was really fun. Ooh, so and, and so, like, I'd be like, oh, oh, I, yeah. oh yeah, like, oh, I, mean, like, <laughs> I love it. A, you know, a seven three two with an eight four four. Oh my god, let me see. And then, yeah, but next time I'm gonna do two pumps of copper. You know, and like, all like this ooh, show me, y'all, show me. Yeah, yeah. Show you so, like, yeah that, I love it. That helped me become more confident. Educating me helped me become more confident. And now, you know, now I'm just very zen about the whole thing. Like, I don't feel like I need to prove anything. I don't feel like I need to compete. And and to answer also your question about where is the industry going, when when, when I was younger and we, we were maybe younger, it was, like, cutthroat. Like, yeah. I would get let go of a salon, and they would change my password and call all my clients up and be like, Hell he yeah. just left. You want to come to me for 20% discount? <laughs> and, like... I had a it's salon betrayal. send all my clients 50% off your next two services. Yes. No. Yes. So that's what we grew up Old in school that. game. Yeah. And there was another another Jessica at the salon that they just started booking them with her yeah. and said, oh, we didn't know which one you were yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So those types of tricks <laughs> so happened to us. It was like hair mafia. You yes. Know? So I think that um, empowering, <laughs> you know, empowering younger people, right? I'm, I'm all about elevating. And sharing. That's yeah. what this yeah. industry is about. That's why I feel so sad for people who are like, oh, you copy my shit or you steal my stuff. What an honor to be, like, copied and yeah. my shit shared. Like, I, yeah. you want to do like I do? Like, oh, yeah. let me show you everything Major. I know. Because, like you said, there's so many ways to get from A to B. So if you want to take a little bit of what I have and a little bit of what you yeah. have, Sometimes you're going to make it your Sometimes own. she'll take a formula and, like, put and I'm like, ooh. Girl, and she makes like, it better? Yeah. And you're like, damn, you want up <laughs> me. Yeah. And then, but then I get to find out what it was. <laughs> right? Um, you know the secrets. But I think, like, instead of the idea of, like, pushing someone down so you can get up like what if we all hopped on the elevator together yeah you know what i mean and what if you elevated that's what i and i talked we talked about it like how do we elevate the entire industry so we all make more money and we all are seen in with more respect and i think that that has to do with treating the people underneath or not underneath the coming up the coming the young the young people help them up yeah just be that cool to them yep just be cool to them that's all you gotta do well and I saw at the brunch so when we had the brunch there was a young girl who now works here little Jess yeah cool so six seven months later yeah she's here part time look at what the brunch did see what I mean mean? (laughs) she had kind of fallen off she was kind of on your path where she's working in a coffee shop she's taking a bunch of breaks and not really she hadn't found her voice in the industry because she's soft spoken she's quiet she doesn't speak up for what's right, wrong. Sweetest. She lets people take advantage of her. Okay. And, her. And her and Daniel had a conversation for a while after the brunch was done. And I didn't really get to hear what that was about. But it, it seemed more of like a mentor-mentee kind of situation. And I think, you know, you probably got a lot out of that. I think always when I teach, I relearn shit. You learn stuff about yourself and it reminds you even of the things that you've forgotten. Because often when we get taught something or we're shown, it's not that it was something new you didn't know. It was just re-remembering you something you knew or re-triggering something in you. Um, to create that creativity to then have it become your own, uh, right? You can be shown a haircut. You can be shown the same haircut, and we have two different views Always. on how we create that, right? It's like people who are musically inclined, you hear something, and then you, you know, it, it, it's so beautiful, and that's what I think is so cool about what you said about bringing us together, and I think, honestly, my perspective of what happened the first shutdown was it tore us apart as an as a industry, um, I was following different forums on Facebook, and I kept seeing the shit-talking going on between stylists and people, mm. bagging people for who continued to work to support mm, their family yeah. because there was absolutely no way for them mm. to get assistance, you know? Mm. And, and any of us that did get assistance, it didn't come for weeks. On I don't think I got a first check for, like, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. So I have a business to pay for, a child. It's like, mm-hmm. So watching that happen, I was like, 
I, I almost ducked out and was like, I, I, I'm not going to fight for an industry that's going to just shit all over themselves. Like, I'm like, this is, maybe this is my time to, to back out gracefully. Like, I just, I didn't want anything to do with it. And then I think we reopened and life mm-hmm. kind of got brought back in. And now when we got shut down the second time, I feel more of a unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like people like Zoe Rose speaking out and starting oh, that. She's like, awesome. She's amazing, her, her right? Her and you yeah, guys I going really out like and showing up. Like, pe- people willing to protest. Not for us to be an essential as a haircut, but the, like you said earlier, to provide for your family. Like, you two are in this industry together. It's not like he has some cush office job that's like providing all of the mm-hmm. things. That's so, really, that was one of the scary things is that we're both self employed. Right. Yeah. yeah. There is no like safety net in terms of like sick mm-hmm. pay or maternity leave just and, a savings account and what's so important that I think that people miss is that like as a an owner like you're creating this beautiful safe space yeah that you have like put all of your energy into and then you're you're seeing people like get ripped out of that or like judge each other for for saying you know what no matter what I'm just I'm doing it and that's yeah. my only option right you know but like to be um to be like pushed out onto the sidewalk after you've spent a lifetime building mm. this dream. That's probably the scariest part is it's like that, that to um, to work 15 years to become successful right? and then to have uh, somebody destroyed in one month. It's crazy. You know, that that probably is the one that stings the most. That, but we that, are. That, that, that Gavin or Kevin could destroy basically my life's work. Your livelihood and too is being massively too, affected, because, you know, right? I, I was trying to find a, I was trying to pre qualify for a mortgage and the banks will not look at bank statements now. They won't look at anything. Uh, and so I can't bring Harley home to a home. I have to go rent something for her, you know. And and it was a dream of mine to be able to provide that for my family. So yeah, those types of things can be devastating. I think a lot of people are going through that. You know, for sure. And I think that the negativity in the industry ha- has no room. I think that if you're negative, you won't survive anymore. Because people like us who are positive, you know, people are going to probably want to be around people who are more positive. Yeah. You know, I don't think that the competition, like there was a slogan like collaboration, not competition. You know, and I think that that's like been my mantra for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, Emily and I just insulate ourselves with like try to be positive. If we if we if we meet other hairstylists who side eye us or yeah. want to do the whole like oh who are you or how much do you make kind of thing, like we just go get some water and like, <laughs> and like keep I'm it like, moving. I'm sorry, like we don't have room now. No, the industry now I feel like in terms of even what it was like a couple of years ago, I see salons that that maybe I've stepped into and quickly stepped out of that are competitive and uh, just like this cyclone of like energy that doesn't really mesh with me like yeah. it I don't think I think those will slowly you can start seeing like people trying to find um, something that feels good you know and then it'll just kind of like dissolve and and new people will stand up as like leaders such as yourself and Mm -hmm. be like let's step away from something that might have served me at some point but no longer does because of these different variables Mm -hmm. and like I can do this better in my own way right then people will see that and feel that and be like I want to feel what Jessica's got you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like whatever you're drinking I want some of you know and don't get it twisted like this life of salon ownership is not any easier on the front of like the doing and the busy like I'm busier on the back end than I've ever been but the reward Mm -hmm. from showing up for yourself like and not Mm -hmm. having to deal with that other kind of shit 
it's definitely freeing. Um, but like I, at the last interview that I had the pleasure of doing, she she takes care of a commission salon, so she's got you know a lot to take care of too. And she noticed a few people left during this time to go open their own sweet salons, and she she felt she almost felt bad for them because she was like you think it's going to be better just running off on your own because you're scared that I'm not allowing you to work. And if you go there, you'll have more option to control. She's like, I feel like people feel so out of control right now mm. that they're just making decisions and doing things to have some grasp of it's control. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. Yeah. It's like, you got to go set up your DBA. You have to have your insurance. You, uh, all the things. you know what I mean? You got to fold all those towels and do all that laundry. <laughs> all you know the bitch mean? work yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a learning curve. You know, it is harder. It's not really glamorous, but but at the same time, you know, you know, the retail, like we're going to be strictly business. The retail is better, right? You know, and how the, much pride do you feel when you walk in better. that door? Oh, I feel like super amazing. Oh my God. Know, like, it's the best feeling to like walk up after completely yeah. sanitizing every square inch. And you like suck the last little bit <laughs> or you yeah. shut the door. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like lock that and look inside and see how beautiful it's it is. Yours. And even though we have like the cutest little cozy private suite, it is it is ours floor to ceiling mm. and we've every inch of that place is like there's so much love and I dedication found, i found that like my focus is a lot better too because it's completely my energy yeah so like i'm i feel like i foil faster i feel like my formulas come out better my cuts are more fo- it's, it's because I'm you're like, focused it's, yeah super focused listening and, to whatever music i want oh, yeah the music yes. part is wonderful you know i think you know um Having a client, I think, feel our personality in that space. I feel like they're so excited to support us. And, like, that safe space is, is everything, you know. So to have that taken away, I think it's it's mm. one of the most important parts of, like, and there's no being a, either, yeah. You know I mean, it's just... Well, we're going to hang in there. We're going to do the work, and we're going to figure out a way to get back in there. I know we will. The so, industry, you know, it's like a... If we can survive this, people who do survive it, yeah, um, we will make the industry, I think, better because only only the strongest survive, and so then the strong get to pave the way, you know. Yes. And I think that that it, it, I mean, I'm definitely compassionate for people who are probably going through, you know, salons who have had to go out of business, for sure. You know, and and all kinds of things. I, I, I'm definitely compassionate towards that, and I don't, I don't have any control over that, so I can't really like you know do anything about it yeah. but but I I can tell you I'm very grateful that like I know that we can weather it I know that you can weather it yeah and I hope that you know if you're out there and you're working that you know you have to formulate a plan of what you how are you going to get through this and, yeah. and and you you know you might have to take a step back there was multiple times in my career where I had to go wash dishes again I mean, I was like 31 years old, 32 oh, yeah. years old working yep. at a pizza We've shop. We've all been yes. there. It was Second embarrassing. Job. I'm yeah. like, well, I guess I got to be a bartender or be a barista You got to do what you got to do. But you yeah. got to have your eyes on the prize. Yes. I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Goal-oriented so, for sure. And in the six months since I met you, like, I feel like you guys have done a lot. And I can't wait to see what the next six months looks like, even with all this shit. I know what yeah. we're going to see soon. In six months, you get to see I you know, know. All the babies. What do you do? 
Um, October 18th. Oh my god, that's soon. Yeah. How she looks, she looks just like Emily. <laughs> we saw. Thank god. We got the no, three <laughs> I know, really, you do. I know. No, I hope you get She got she the better the end hair. of the deal. It's I'm, she's going to probably be just like, it'll probably look like you for a little bit and then start to morph into you and then like, it's yeah. weird. That's what happened with my son. I feel like we could talk all day. Let's put a bow on it. So okay. if people are in love with you now after this, where can they find you if they want to come check out the salon? Um, so we have an Instagram brick and ivy salon. Okay. Um, working on the website currently but that's where you can find us um my instagram is emily wells art okay and daniel's is daniel lee ross it's actually my instagram's daniel.lee.stylist okay and then i do have a website it's called danielschair.com yeah Daniel's chair. cool name yeah very cool thank you guys so much for your time thank this was you. awesome thank yeah you. i feel like we'll have to do another rap session after this is like totally come full circle yeah. we can see maybe we can have a little cameo yes. by the babe for sure. We want to have more deep connections with friends who we like and respect, and so hopefully Thank you. moving forward we can yeah. continue just to have, you know, good friendships. Yeah, especially uplifting like this. Mm-hmm. Like, pandemics, I guess, happen. Recessions right? definitely happen. Bad shit happens. It's yeah. just how you handle it. Perspective mm-hmm. is everything, yeah. right? So we're just going to leave on that note with some positivity for you guys. If you've loved this as much as we have and you want to spend more time with us, you can follow us at the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. And I will be in touch with you guys soon. This was so fun. Thank you so much.